This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Well, friends, today we are continuing in our family tree sermon series, appropriate as we welcome new families into the life of our church. And we remind ourselves that while our church family, we are a family of faith, with four campuses, Apex United Methodist Church, Fiesta Cristiana, 519, and The Peak. While we are a family of faith with four campuses, um, we all have a shared root system, a shared DNA that, that really makes us us and makes us who we are. Each week we have spent time focusing on um, a different member of our family. We started with this campus as we celebrated 100 years right here on 100 South Hugh Street. We then celebrated our sisters and brothers at Fiesta Cristiana. And last week, we celebrated the fifth birthday um, of our 519 campus up in Morrisville. So we are delighted that today um, we can turn our attention to our brothers and sisters in Christ at the peak. Now, I want to share with you a little bit of the history of the peak church. Did you know that it was not always called the peak. Um, it actually started back in 2004 with 12 families who began a church in Apex named Acts United Methodist Church to embody the spirit um, that we find in the early chapters of the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit is poured out, where people are living life together, where they're coming together and, and worshiping the Lord. And that entrepreneurial spirit of just doing something new that we see in Acts. They started that. Um, in 2005, they began worshiping at Salem Middle School. And then in 2009 slash 2010, um, they had a, a change in leadership. Pastor Tim Catlett came on actually back in like 2007, 2008. And he began journeying with the Acts United Methodist Church community. And in 2010, they made a decision to join the Apex United Methodist Church family to be in partnership, and they changed their name to The Peak um, to more reflect the community that they were launched in. You know, Apex is often referred to as the peak of good living. Um, this was the peak church. This is going to be a church for this community. And since then, um, they have continued to thrive and to grow. Um, pastor Kyle Meyer is the pastor there now. And their tagline is to connect the disconnected. Um, that is what they strive to do as a church family. And so today, today, I wanted to focus on what it means to be reconnected what it means to be reconnected. And I want to do that by reading this scripture to you that um, Pastor Kyle and the leaders at the Peak United Methodist Church shared with us for today. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it is verses 16 through 20. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, 
there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have spoken your word to me. I pray now that I would decrease so that you might increase and speak it through me. And Lord, if necessary, speak in spite of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to start this morning by telling you a story. I want to tell you a story about my father-in-law. Okay, now that's always risky when you know that this is going to be recorded and broadcast on the interwebs. Um, but I feel fairly confident that, that this, will be, this will be acceptable. So, um, my father-in-law loves to fix things. He loves to fix things. He is an engineer by trade. He likes to build stuff and put stuff together. Um, but he really loves to fix things that are broken. Um, such that he is one of those people that if there is something broken in his house, before he even engages the thought of replacing it, um, he will take the entire thing apart. He will take the entire thing apart and will spend hours, days, weeks, months, maybe even years fixing or trying to fix the thing until he has decided that it is irreparably broken and it's time to move on. Now, this became incredibly true um, when I saw the car that my wife was driving um, when I first met her. Lord, please forgive me. Now, this car was a red, um, I think it was a Dodge Stratus. I don't even know if they make that car anymore. Um, but it, just incredibly old. I mean, I think it was like an early 90s Stratus. You, you couldn't, not only could I not really sit in it at the time, but you couldn't really move it apart from a prayer from God. But um, <laughs> anytime you parked that Dodge Stratus in my father-in-law's driveway, I guarantee you that the next time we turn that car on, um, it would work. It would work until it broke again. And even up until the moment where we moved to North Carolina, and he was in Tampa, Florida, and the car had broken down in downtown Raleigh at night after my wife had gotten done um, with a full day of teaching, and I had to go get her, and I said, you know, I think it's time that we look for a better car for you. Even up until that moment, he said... Well, I'm pretty sure we can fix it. <laughs> well, you live in Tampa. Yeah, well, well, it can be fixed. Just, you know, read a book. Go learn how to fix a car and fix a car. 
And I will tell you this, that in my father-in-law's desire um, to fix things that are broken, I have learned something about how God loves us. I have learned something about how God loves us. And here's what I've learned. My father-in-law loves to fix things because he cares about the stuff he has. He cares about it and he sees it as valuable. And so he doesn't simply want to just throw it away when it seems like that would be the easy and logical choice to just replace and move on. I think his love and care for the stuff that he owns such that he desires to fix them pours out into other areas in his life, such as his relationships with his family and with his friends. He knows what it is to care for people such that if things begin to break, he has a desire to fix what is broken. Now, we live in a society where I believe connection has become incredibly fragile. Um, Connection has become incredibly fragile. We value the quantity of connection over and above the quality of connection nowadays. This is true. Anytime I can, you know, pull out my phone and have the world at my fingertips. How many friends do I have on Facebook? Um, A lot more than I can probably name. How many people like my status or follow me on this or that? How often when I hear or read something that I don't like or that doesn't sit well with me, do I make the easy decision to simply look away or turn off or block or unfollow? Such is this, um, such is this desire in our society to not fix things that break, not deal with with hard things, but to have a lot of connection over and above a quality of connection that, you know, even our our youth and our young people have made like a pop culture statement out of writing the world off. Hashtag, bye Felicia, right? Anybody ever heard that? C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, anyone ever read C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters? On page one, he's writing in the 40s, 1940s, talks about the way that the amount of information and the amount of voices we have in our world, what he says, by the dozens, (laughs) by the dozens, could lead to serious issues in our ability to connect with one another. So often we value the quantity of our connection over and above the quality of it. 
it has become so easy to walk away. To walk away from people, to walk away from relationships, to walk away from anything that might matter. And what I see in my father-in-law and what I read about and when I, what I learn about God when I read Scripture, especially the Scripture this morning, is that God did not just walk away when his relationship with us became strained. We read that in the beginning, we had perfect connection with God. And our love failed. We turned away from God. But Scripture reminds us that the love of God has remained. That God has pursued us. God did not decide to block or unfollow or unfriend, God forbid. But God decided to see something that was broken and to care enough about it to make it whole again, to make it new. If that's going to be the ministry of your church, to reconnect those who are disconnected, then what's necessary is a deep sense of love and care for one another. You have to build and establish holy friendships such that when things become hard, they are worth fighting for. That the relationships we build and we establish in this place are relationships that are worth fighting for to us. Last week, I shared, I was preaching in the, in the sanctuary space, so some of you may have, may have heard my sermon there. Last week, I shared about how during my first year of seminary, we were preaching on the scripture of the paralyzed man and his friends who drag him on a mat and cut a hole in the roof and lower him in front of Jesus to be healed. And I said, while I've never experienced a physical paralysis, I have experienced a paralysis of faith. I've experienced a paralysis of faith at different points in my life. That first year of seminary was one of them, such that by the end of that first semester, I was ready to go home, throw in the towel. I wanted to go back to Florida. I wanted to be back with my friends. Amy was there. We were doing our whole engagement long distance. And I had a friend who cared enough about me to encourage me to at least finish the year. Don't just leave at the end of the first semester, but really finish the year. Give it a real shot. And that friend, along with others, came alongside me and, and carried me to Jesus. Now, a few months after making that decision to stay, I, I needed a job. <laughs> I needed a job. And so I found a listing for a job at the peak. And I applied for it. 
And I ended up not getting that job. Praise the Lord I didn't get that job. Pastor Tim took me to lunch and he said, you're not going to get this job, but I think there's a better job for you. And I'd like for you to come and be my intern. And you can preach, you can lead the youth ministry, you can sit in meetings, you can learn, you can ask all the questions that you want, and hopefully when you graduate seminary, we will have prepared you well for a life of ministry. I was an incredibly disconnected human being when I first got to the peak. What I found there, and in turn, what I found here in this place when I started to engage with the youth ministry at Apex and I started to be involved in the worship ministry with Erna here on the Apex campus was that not just at the peak but also at this place as well was this deep and abiding love for one another and a desire to establish connections and holy friendships such that it mattered to us when someone in the family was suffering and that that would be how we would foster this ministry of reconnection. In our scripture today, Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And God, through Christ, reconciled the world to himself, He took a broken world, a fragile world, and through Christ, he started to repair the brokenness and begin to make it whole. And then what he said is, this is not just work for me, but it's work for all the people who profess my name. And the scripture says that God gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that we are ambassadors for Christ. That when we go and interact with people in the world, with our friends, in our communities, in our churches, in our workplaces, we are not just messengers of the gospel, we're embodiments of the gospel. We bring the gospel message into whatever room we're in. A message that says nothing is too broken, Nothing is broken beyond repair. No relationships that you feel might be too broken. No mental states that you feel might be too broken. No stresses or anxieties on your life that you feel might be too broken. Nothing is too broken. God will work to make it whole. God will work to make it new. And God will do that work through us. We are ambassadors of Christ. We hold the ministry of reconciliation to the world. I found that to be incredibly true here. It's my prayer that you would find that to be incredibly true here. That you would know that our church strives to connect us in ways that will foster connection and friendship 
such that we would truly care about one another. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So my question is, what are you doing with it? How are we being countercultural to this ethic in our society that says wreck and replace? That we can toss away friendships, we can toss away marriages, we can toss away anything. How are we being people that say, even when things get hard, you know, God has put me here for a reason. God has put me in your life for a reason. I care about you enough to want you to stick around, to want to be your friend, to want to be your family. How are you embodying a ministry of reconciliation here in this church and beyond these walls? That's my question for you this morning. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the way that you have brought us together. For the way that your Son has redeemed us for the way that your scripture reminds us that amid any brokenness, no matter how far we feel we fall, um, healing is possible with you. Redemption is possible with you. Forgiveness is possible with you. We give you thanks for reminding us that the things we care about are worth fixing. We pray that in your son's name.